And we're back. It's G.I. Jooberg. It's another episode. We're talking tanks, hiss, and otherwise in this episode. And we're joined by a new guest. His name's Mauler Joe. And if you know, you know. This guy is doing the most innovative and incredible things with Mauler tanks and other tanks. So who best to talk about the new classified HasLab hiss offering and other things. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? Hello, everybody. I'm good. Excellent. And bringing up the cavalry, we have Paul, Deadly Pencils in the house. Hello, Paul. Hello. <laughs> Deadly Pencils. <laughs> and the loving scoopful of Rob. Hello, Rob. Hell yeah. 89 Rob here. Ready and <laughs> willing, finally. <laughs> My name is Steve. And if that intro went over your head, Rob is bitter because... He had a scheduled blackout around about the same time G.I. Joburg was supposed to meet up with Analog Toys for the awesome debate that raged and asked the question, which was G.I. Joe's best year? Well, Tony from Analog Toys had a cancelled flight and had to fly during the stream. Rob had no power, so it was Paul and myself versus Mike from Retro Blasting. I mean, that's that's pretty fitting. It is iconic on it is kind of their show and matt swafford from endless bullets i think it was a great debate and i really enjoyed participating check it on the replay if you haven't checked it already and while you do that check out the remote control mauler you can find it in our yeah. youtube playlists but that vehicle featured we can't take credit for anything other than photographing it because that is entirely joe's blood sweat and tears <laughs> Joe, you <laughs> are a remote control vehicle <laughs> savant Welcome to G.I. Joeberg. Please give us your favorite action figure and vehicle from the toy line. I mean, well, thank you for being here. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being here. I um, really applaud and appreciate that Paul was defending the 88 line. Yeah, 88 mm. best. <laughs> exactly. And uh, there's one thing I'd like to mention because I see a lot of discussion on the toys, but it's always a mistake. It's always forgetting one aspect. And I would think that aspect is triangular, is that there was the toy we knew as kids, and then there's the toy that we're judging as grown-up adult fans, but mm -hmm. there's also the toy as a product if you're a design professional. So it is the balance of these three things that, that made the toy what it is. And often I see unbalanced opinions on things. So, for example, 88, I, I got to gotta pile up on this. Is um, Steve, uh, 83, 84, 83 is great because it's realistic. So I totally agree with that. 88 is fresh, but that is because the design of the figure was a different person. It was Mark Pennington. He was a comic artist. And before that, it was Ron Rudak who was doing, you know, he was into reenactment. He was a brilliant artist. And he did pretty much most of the figures until then. So it's kind of a change of the guard following mm. the Cobra line stuff. So, but for me, 88 is, um, it still resonates as fresh to this day. And then Mark Pennington left around 89 and uh, then things went. But anyway, so it was a great discussion. I recommend everybody to watch that video. I have not finished it yet, but there's so many valid points. The one thing, if I may say, that's missing is the professional insight from inside why the toys are like this you know because mm. there's always a reason uh, they're pushing products and uh, sometimes we get too wrapped up as a as an adult fan you know but there's there is a reason of things behind the scenes 
I'm curious then, which vehicle would you say has that technical professional dimension? You know, what, what is the top tier achievement technically within the GI Joe line? Is it something as intricate and complex and heavy as like the Defiant launch complex? Is it something far simpler, but far more sublime like the Mauler, which has what? offered its canvas to you many, many times for improvements and uh, more stuff well, going into it. Well, it depends. So this is the beauty of the GI Joe line. It's that this there's a toy for every budget, but mm. in a toy company, sometimes when you make the defiant of the flag, they did not make money by selling those, but it's a PR move. It's a way mm. to have a flagship to, to have your flag way on over the uh, toy horizon and say, look what we can do. So at the same time, the bread and butter, the little, little uh, like the pack rats or the, uh, what's it, the, the, in H8, those small vehicles that were really crappily made. They, <laughs> you know, that's what Battlefield robots. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> well, that's what's kind of nice is to have things for every value, but, you know, it depends. Everybody had a different experience. And me, if you have to ask me which vehicle I like the most, it depends. It depends when. And you mean back then or now, or from a, again, it's the triangle from a, from a design point of view or from a kid or from an adult fan. So those are three different things. And the beauty of it is there's so, such a variety of products that when you- Okay, well, let's satisfy those, those questions by, by giving it two answers. You can select your favorite vehicle from a technical professional standpoint and select your favorite vehicle for just gratuitous all-out childhood fun, what did you really connect with when you were a, a young Mauler Joe? <laughs> uh, Coastal Defender. Wow! <laughs> did not see that coming. Wow! What was it so about? The I, I'll tell Defender? you why. So I had the European mm. version, which has a bigger cut, so you could transport weapons, food. You could hide things. It could be a jail. It could be a weapon, and uh, it was fun. And I got it as a gift. Um, it was cheap. It was green, it was soft. We could blow it up, take it apart, make a base. We could build a fort with it. I loved that toy. And um, it yeah. was you who showed me that multiple coastal defenders. Sorry, it took me a while to scramble through yes. all the names of things to find it. Cause it's, yeah, it's, it's a subtle name. It's like a coastal defender. No, it's a box with missiles in it. Anyways, yeah. um, you were and the one who showed were... me that you could kind of lattice them together. Like if yeah. you had multiples created a deck out of them. Well, it's just laying flat on the table. Now, going mm, back to your question, brilliant. as far as the best vehicle, uh, I would say from a technical point of view, you look at the Mauler tank. Uh, I mm -hmm. don't deserve the credit. It's really whoever designed that toy way back in 83 and 84. The plastic is very high quality. It is sturdy. You can take it apart. You can blow it up. You can do so many things with it. You can upgrade. It's almost like whoever worked on that toy subconsciously designed it for the oncoming generations. Most toys have a very single purpose, very narrow-minded. You know, they look cool. You buy them. They have a few features and that's it. The molar in every nook and cranny, you open it, the snaps are durable. Um, you look at the, the gun house, for example, have a recess for putting a real tube and a real gun inside if you wanted to. Mm. So the turret has a hole in it so that you can put some, you know, drive mechanism. You can look how easy it has been to, to play with it, to modify it, to put different suspension, different gearbox. So I would say that toy to me is 
it's just amazing. It's just, um, and you would say it doesn't really fit with the rest of the vehicle because sure. it's not squeezed plastic like all the other vehicles. As much as I love the Warfog, for example, the Warfog is like an eggshell. It's super thin plastic and it's not as durable. Mm -hmm. Just the point you made about the vehicle's chassis itself giving a lot of scope and a lot of room to customizers later makes me think of stretch goals. It's like almost like the Mauler was the, the starter kit for what we're seeing now with vehicles where you get the base offering and then you get things that are designed at the beginning of the design process to be added at a later stage. Uh, the Mauler, by having those two cleats underneath the, the front to use with your custom tow hitch, that's one of them. Having those two rings in the front to use uh, to, to integrate the, the barrel cradle, that's another one. There are all these little design elements that like, we didn't get anything to interact with them back in the day, but that leaves the opening for designer and, and toy fabricator like yourself to, uh, to get in there and add them. It's great, man. But I think we're going to segue right now quite neatly to the Classified Hiss campaign. Shall we, gentlemen? It's time. I can't actually believe they they did this. I mean, it's 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 obvious that they would. Oh, do good, this, you got pictures. It's crazy, they did this. Why is it crazy, Rob? Isn't it it's the just, perfect it's thing? A, it's so big. Like, uh, <laughs> like I can understand like doing like a, a vamp or a, you know, you know something smaller, but like the hiss is just. It's iconic. It fits for sure, but it's so big. I mean, I've seen pictures on Emily's um, Instagram where she, where you can see a comparison of like the size of this compared to the uh, three and three quarter inch one, and it's huge. And it's it's and people know it's huge. It's funded within twenty four hours, I believe. <laughs> but double the Overfund. size. Yeah. Listen, I'm gonna start this off out the gate. I think this is an average representation at best. War. I know. I know, the fighting words. Guys, the reason I say this is because it's... Okay, on the plus points, it's a his tank. And they haven't like dramatically changed anything. So that's like a really cool thing for those of us who love the original design and want it bigger, right? That's great. Um, and it, we now have the addition, as Steve is showing on screen now, we have the addition of the troop compartment in the back, which is something I think fans have been clamoring for for like 20 years. Um, for them, you know, hoping that Hasbro would add to to this hiss, you know, not take some stupid snakehead hiss and then add a troop compartment, like actually give us the classic one and put a troop compartment in. So cool, Hasbro finally listened. It took 20 years, but they did it. So that's great. It's got like a, a solitary chair there, which is super regal, which to me just tells me that it's supposed to be for Cobra Commando or something. It doesn't seem like, it seems a little over-designed for, for, for um, target practice. You know, for a tank that is essentially target practice, to have this really regal seat there. Kind of feel like they could have just put foot pegs in there and let us stand some Joes in. But hey, whatever. They got that. That's cool. Um, and they're charging $300 for it. And okay, fine. It, if it hits all of its stretch goals and whatever, you're going to pay $300 um, and get all of the extras that they're talking about. So the new... Um, track covers or should i say the old track covers and a clear canopy which in my eyes is kind of a downgrade from what they've already done here you've got this very very cool looking interior uh with a great canopy like i mentioned like 
this is a cool looking canopy. I just feel like for three hundred for a three hundred dollar toy, maybe they should have just put holes in the turrets. I mean, crazy thought, but that wouldn't have been a bad idea for a thing that shoots. Maybe just put holes in the turrets. Oh, um, Paul, the um, I watched the 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 stream when they launched it, and the the mm -hmm. ports will be engineered into the turrets they just didn't have it on the oh, resin model that was shown but uh, absolutely okay. this will be be making use of blast effects which goody to my mind would probably just thinking about the way hasbro or has lab tend to, to 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 add these things in that would probably make for a stretch goal <laughs> holes the in the turrets effects. You'll have the, the holes in the turrets just begging for a blast effect. And I think they will provide the blast effects as a stretch goal, which would be a bit of a bummer um, because I already <clears> see <throat> that we've got these ports on the top mm -hmm. of the turret, mm -hmm. which haven't had anything joined to them yet. So another yeah. stretch goal would be something to fill those holes. Well, so I read I some... In addition yeah. to the Nerf missile uh, pods on the sides, you're going to have, I don't know, top-mounted machine guns on either side of the turret. Mike, okay, so here's the thing. There's a lot of guys out, here, out there that are super excited about this, and that's awesome, guys. Please, I'm not trying to, like, smash your toy down. I'm just telling you why this toy doesn't excite me, okay? Um, I think for, for the price that they want for it, and the fact that something like the Robo Skull exists, I feel like this could have been a better offering from Hasbro. Um, that said, at least Hasbro is definitely cribbing off the the smartest kid in the in the class's um, test by stealing some design elements from the Robo Skull. And guys, when Except I say stealing, I don't the mean one it. One that would mm -hmm. swing us three and three quarter diehards in favor of it. It's been said on this podcast before. And our pal Sammy Smith has has reminded me to to put it back into public consciousness, though it pretty much was there anyway. The Roboskull moved to have an adaptable cockpit for both yep. six inch and three and three quarter inch figures was a masterstroke. And I only I don't... wish Hasbro mm -hmm. felt necessary to listen to them. But I think they might still crib that. Mm, they don't need us. To push this project past the finish this thing line. is pushed so far no. i mean they got they have at a time of recording they have twelve thousand two hundred people and they expected their target was eight thousand and this is yeah. it's still got 44 days to go my prediction like, is it will blow past all four unlocks and i don't know if hasbro's in the or has lab is in the uh business of adding like surprise stretch goals so i think mm. it, didn't Base they do forward. that with some other ones, though? I mean, did they tried to do that with, um, oh, with the right. Rankle, and Unicron, they? they just kept and adding Unicron stuff, like, um, oh, cool. like, like miniature Rodimus and, and Galvatron. I think that wasn't initially announced. I don't know. If there are additionals, it won't be major. I think like mm. designing a piece that will go into the model mm. um, to, to adapt it, either that's in the bank already or it's not going to happen. And it'll be up to toy designers and uh, you know, customizers out here in the real world to fill in that gap. But I'm sure a lot of people will. There will be a 3D printed adapter set, I'm sure. Oh, of course. That's why I pretty I, much... I'm looking at you, Joe. <laughs> Let's get <laughs> can... opening opinions on this toy, my man. Okay. Uh, well, um, <laughs> I don't uh, rain on anyone's parade, but let's, let's analyze this for a little bit. 
the reactions are positive. Most of them, not all of them, but most of them. The mm -hmm. fact that it has been funded in such a short time, is a good faster sign. than the Sky Striker, it's proof there's disposable income for such product, despite the, the, the difficult times we have. What bothers me is this. This is the first classified vehicle. It's a premium adult collector item. The consumers, the fans have voted. I don't approve. If it was up to me, I would have made it of cardboard because it would have solved issues of cost and size storage. And you could afford to buy five of them without mortgaging your house. <laughs> Did um, you just say you want to cardboard this? No, but I see where he's coming from with that. Like... Yeah, so it could be, it could be yeah. beautifully, exquisitely designed with cardboard pieces and plastic clips. Don't, I don't mean like a cardboard cheap toy, but I mean, if you look at the design of the Hiss, it's fairly monolithic. So it could have been done with slats and the person puts together. What kind of bothers me is the G.I. Joe toy line started as a very low cost, super, there, there was a variety of different budgets. This is a mm. premium adult collector item. So uh, it's kind of innovation for the privileged and the elite. And I feel that the core of the brand was that there was a budget for everyone. And the cardboard- I think I know what you're pushing for, and this is something specifically addressed by Lenny in a subsequent stream that I watched, that he wanted to do things at the classified standard. There are cheaper mm. ways of making this tank, absolutely. We could have seen a just an upscaling of the original his tooling. You know, it's almost a single piece for the tracks and a single piece for the chassis that you would then clip together. But that would probably leave a lot of fans wanting. Like yeah. HasLab is a way to get these dream projects, these really, really well-engineered, like super showcase pieces, which... Begrudgingly, I have to admit this his tank is is shaping up to be that. It's a dream project. It's it's yeah, done. Yeah, I, I see where Joe's coming from. It's it's done mm. absolutely amazingly well. But the thing is, like, you can have you that as you said, he's he's admitted there are cheaper ways of doing this where you could get vehicles mm. into the mass market and get it to everybody. But like he feels Joe it wouldn't do the difference. The aesthetic of classified then. They, they feel mm -hmm. it wouldn't make as much money. I I think they would. <laughs> I think they definitely sure. would. You make this much cheaper. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, it'll go to kids who will enjoy it because it's a giant vehicle for their six-inch figures, not just G.I. Joe, but for Marvel figures and whatever else. And then the, the, the collectors can then customize this to hell and gone to make it the most amazing thing they ever wanted. And, um, Rob, you, may, you touched on a great point there. Sorry, just... Uh, and no, I no, no. When I, I'm not ending. Oh, what how, is this great point that you that I how many of you guys that have bought a classified his tank are going to let your kids play with it <laughs> seriously you 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 uh, all of us on this podcast we're not going to be here i mean we're going to be here for the next maybe 30 if we're lucky maybe 40 years of this brand but who is it going to go from there how like whose kids are going to play with this and have these great childhood memories of it they a lot of kids are going to have these great childhood memories of looking at dad's his tank like <laughs> it, it is, it's a three hundred dollar toy that is inaccessible for a lot of kids because it. I'm, I'm, I imagine it's going to be fairly fragile. And listen, that's the same criticism levied at something like the Robo Skull. But the Robo Skull is not being produced by one of America's favorite toy toy companies. You know, um, the other thing is the. I, I'm sorry, but the three hundred dollar price tag really does bug me. It bugs the <laughs> hell out of me. I understand things are expensive. That's not my issue. It's just that. How is it that Robo Skull has pulled this 
it's something better or for less than this. I don't understand it. And they're a smaller company. I don't understand how they're getting, getting that right. And we've got a hist, which is arguably an easier form to create. And, and it, just, it just blows my mind. Like Easier, but I it also, has a much yeah. bigger footprint, though. I mean, this thing is huge, and it has electronics. Mm. I think no, you're talking about huge. wingtip to wingtip. Yeah, the, the rubber skull is, is massive. Just imagine a human skull and then add yeah. gigantic no, adding wings. wings. But the thing is, I think those, that can be broken down. I imagine when it ships, it's going to ship into a box, a more efficient method. Well, this, I don't think this can break down at all. Maybe you can take the cannons off. But this literally has mm. to be in a gigantic rectangular box. Yeah. Like, you can't make this thing any smaller, especially if, 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 the, if the way they're going forward is to make it as beautiful and amazing as possible. It's like when you get it, it has to be finished, complete, and done. Um, but, yeah, I think it's really cool. And the figures look really great, too. And all these mm. – the color variants. The figure looks great because they haven't messed with it. Yeah. haven't <laughs> <laughs> messed with it. <laughs> you know, and now we've got it in all the, the different flavors. <laughs> Well, anyone who isn't kind of finger on the pulse with the news might not realize, but in addition to the his tank driver in his classic red, one of the unlocks was an early bird unlock for this thing to fund within a week. That means that everyone who backs the his tank will get the his tank tactician, which is an additional figure, same mold as the driver but using one of the original color studies that Ron Rudat produced in the making of the original his back in whenever it was, 1982 probably. Hmm. So you've got a deep purple or mauve, mauve, whatever Oof. words. Mauve, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of mauve from the boys. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you've got black with silver boots. You've got a deep cobra blue with a silver chest plate. You've got all black with just a silver Cobra sigil. Wow. Uh, you've got one that looks like the Strato Viper with um, red, I suppose, shin guards and uh, a reddish helmet, red belt. And then all black with a red Cobra sigil. Gents, I know this is not great radio, but which of these color combos are your favorites? Joe, take a crack. Uh, this to me, and this is sad, to me, this looks like a color study. So it's, it's, uh, to me, this is offensive. This is like, <laughs> you know, this is taking the consumer for imbeciles because when you work in the industry, you do color study, but this is part of your job and you're up with a good product. So they should come with new characters. This to me is an insult. I'm sorry. It's like stick to the I'm original. I'm Joe on one. this one. Sorry. No, no, I'm with you on this one. Carry on. <laughs> well, you know, I get all riled up. So, um, you know, it's like, oh, please let us maximize our tooling, you know, but uh, Black Major, for example, does a better job at making variations that are actually creative. You know what I mean? Well, if you don't like this concept, you're going to love the fact that this figure will actually come in a box and it will hmm. be one of the classified boxes and it will be numbered. So if you're a completist and you like <laughs> staring at a wall full of complete numbers, and, um, you're either going to pay someone for the figure or just like headhunt the box on the aftermarket because <clears throat> yeah that's that's that, that is going to mess with people's ocd if they were otherwise not going to get the hiss mm, now you kind of got it uh, i also really hope that they've made those treads super well like that that they have spent a lot of time 
putting those treads through hell because I suspect that's going to be a major pain point on the design of this uh, of this toy because treads are difficult uh, on anything and I can see like if this had to come out and there's a problem with the treads people are going to lose their, their their shit on the internet they're going to be like oh the treads don't work oh, man, man, man. that's you know people are going to give it hell because of that but that's more like I'm hoping that Hasbro does it so that they have a successful toy on the other side of this I, I love what Carson Metaxas said on, I, I saw it on Facebook and I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, by pre-ordering this and, and backing this, you know, we are proving that the, that the brand is powerful, that it actually has got legs in the industry. And that's one thing that's like super positive about the Hiss, how quickly it funded is awesome. That's why anybody, who, I don't think anybody who got this is an idiot. I think like you are really excited and really in love with this toy and that's great. And now Hasbro knows that there's a market out there and they and it will hopefully get them to be even more experimental, more um, risky when it comes to making this kind of stuff, especially for fans they know will appreciate and, and back these kind of products. So that's, that's like the super positive takeaway. For me, personally, I'm not ready to dump $300 on a Hiss tank. And I know that I've been like super hard on this. It's just that that's for me personally. I just... I don't, ex I don't see me having a lot of fun with the classified size his tank. But that doesn't mean I don't see myself having fun with other classified sized vehicles. So, mm. Did anyone watch the, the stream when they unveiled it? Because they had the resin model. And the reason I raised that is because Lenny actually rolled it across the table. Mm. I mean, it, there wasn't much real estate to roll this massive thing across. But uh, just to address your point on the the treads, they mm. look incredible. Because the thing obviously has a lot of weight, I don't think it runs into the same problem that the um, Pursuit of Cobra Hiss uh, ran into. Because that thing didn't have a lot of weight pressing down the treads. The treads were also in a kind of a very springy rubber. So they snagged and dragged and didn't quite you know, roll as, as slickly as, as you want them to. I think, I suspect, Joe, that these treads are individual links. Uh, from uh, the video I saw, it looked to me like it was a flexible belt. Okay. Uh, well, either way, the, the, the road wheels and the drive wheel turn really smoothly. Once again, I think the weight of this thing assists in getting good traction under those tracks. So it, it, it goes along quite smoothly. Um, will the production model vary? I hope not. I hope it is precisely like the resin model. Uh, came out so any other comments we have on the classified hiss before we close the chapter for now i mean this will be an ongoing thing we'll check in with it can regularly i enough. can i jump Please. on jump in on the traps so the mm. traps you see there it's essentially the technology from the 60s and 70s when they had large toes with rubber tracks so it's okay. not rocket science it can be done it has been done before and um, the liability of tracks, the reason why we didn't have them a lot as kids is that kids lose the tracks. So here, like Paul said, if they didn't make real tracks, they would get a lot of flack for it. So they had to do it. Yeah. No, if, yeah. if we had a solid molded piece, the price point would not be as defendable. Uh, but what say you to the prospect of motorizing this, Joe? Uh, so I made a video. I could do a whole lecture on it. So from uh, <laughs> the Hiss is a fantasy vehicle. It's beautiful. Yes. It's sleek. It's sexy. It's menacing and it's unique. And it's unique 
because in, in, there's a reason why you don't see vehicles like this in real life. It doesn't work very well. There's all kinds of issues. Um, I spent six months the, making the RC Warthog that was mm. plagued with stability issues from being nose heavy. So this is kind of a similar issue. And the Warthog's nose is a lot smaller than the his nose. Yes. I mean, the hiss is, so, that overhang is huge. Yes, it can be done. It's just that you have, you know, in design, we say form follows function. Yep. Here we have a vehicle, clearly, that's not a vehicle. It was not designed by a vehicle designer. It's a brick that was sculpted into an attractive shape. So the semantics <laughs> are there. It's fantasy. It's a toy. It's great. Making this a real vehicle is going to be a challenge because of the overhang. I believe it can be done by massaging the proportions uh, mm -hmm. and also to maybe reduce the ground clearance. That's a little, um, the belly is a little too low, you know, when, if you go off-road. Suspension, it's going to be a little of a nightmare to keep all the visual cues. It can be done. Um, I think the hiss really, it's, it's in its essence. It's, it looks cool, so it does not need to work well. Now, yeah. having said that, on YouTube, some people have made some uh, beautiful RC hiss that, uh, that are slightly tweaked in proportions and work well. So it can be done. Uh, I think I'll shut up there because I could go on forever. <laughs> Well, well, food for I, thought. I You're absolutely cool. right. It's yeah. designed to be a toy. First and for foremost, sure. a cool toy. Mm. Challenging. Challenging. I can so imagine is... like if the tracks were longer and and the whole chassis was lower, but with less of a, an over a sort of underbelly. Well, it's like that weird thing they all... had in the second movie. Like that was like completely, there was nothing above that thing, but it had these shaped tracks mm. in the second G.I. Joe movie. Can I put a question out to you guys? I don't know. <clears throat> Would you guys? Well, can I? <laughs> Would you guys buy one of these? Like in your personal capacity, Steve and, and Rob, like, would you guys get yourselves one? Like, does it excite you enough? Is there a part of you that like would get it if budget wasn't an issue or whatever? You know, oh, if budget wasn't an issue, I'd get myself know, a couple sure. of houses. Like two, three of them. Yeah. I'd get three of these for sure. No, I know, um, but I'm asking about his tank. What a house. Specifically about this <laughs> one, for sure. I would, I, would, I, would, I would get one. I think it looks really cool. And I think they've done a good job of making it a premium version of this. Okay, so it gets you like proper excited, Rob. So that's yeah. Awesome. No, I think for sure, I would if if money was no object, I I would definitely grab one. Because I'm just worried that I'm being like super negative, Nancy, <laughs> on it. And no, yeah. I mean, and, the, uh, if, if you don't beer. see the potential for, <laughs> 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 if you don't see the potential, that's that's your choice. You don't. Not no. everyone has to like everything, but there's at least twelve thousand people in the world who really love this thing, and that's you fantastic. think it's amazing. Yeah, yeah don't get me wrong. Really cool. I see the potential. I mean, the potential is obvious. <laughs> I mean, you know that we don't even have to speculate on that. I just know that I won't enjoy playing with it. I just know that I'm not going to have fun with it. That's that's my thing, you know. And I don't know. Well, that, I just that means a lot coming from you, Paul, because you dabble in both scales. For me, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. my decisions made for me. I mean, this this Haslab campaign is not made for me mm. because uh, unless they're keeping that adapter set in the wings for the sort of last unlock not gonna happen. hail mary moment let's let's get sixteen thousand plus backers for this thing <laughs> which it, it it's going to achieve regardless i know for sure it's i think it's, it's going to unlock all of those things and it's coming out next year then alongside mm. well not alongside but the same year as sky strike sky strike is coming out spring next year they're estimating and this will come out fall this comes out 
after? How, how does that work? I don't know. It will come after, yeah. Spring is earlier in the year for America. Hmm. I think. It's I possible anyway, that it's... they were designing and, and conceiving both this and the Sky Strike at the same time, mm. but they wanted to do the O-Ring relaunch, so the Sky Striker led the charge at its very inopportune moment of like the festive season alongside the Rancor. Like, let's also not lose sight of the fact that this is this is happening in the clear, and yeah, it's all this... about classified now. Well, it only had one other thing. I, there's Hasbro. Well, has what, the Reaver lightsaber. Yeah, that's oh, unfortunate. Uh, Star Wars just can't it's... get a break, man. <laughs> It's it currently as of this broadcast it still has thirteen hundred mechas out of five thousand has not hit its goal it has nine days to go. I so think Hasbro is going to learn a lesson. It's going to definitely no one's getting this thing. But I think Hasbro has learned the lesson. GI Joe twice in a row now, irrespective of scale, has funded. Sky Striker took a little bit longer, but obviously the his tank was you know it's instantaneous. So I think Hasbro keep. Make more Joe stuff. Eventually, you're going to get me to buy at least one of these things. <laughs> I want to just get everyone's opinion on what is perhaps the the most pimp uh, feature on this his. <laughs> Guys, the projection. What say <laughs> you? That's going to be so cool. Like It's <laughs> very much like... I don't know if you've ever had a, had a ride in a Mustang, and I'm sure other cars do this. But like when you, when open, you open the door, the door it projects the like the oh, horse no. <laughs> onto the ground, so everyone knows you're getting out of a, a Ford Mustang. Parties, they party hard. Like they don't but even drive this thing feature, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they played it off in the Cobra's stream, but it's kind of an, here. It's an intimidation <laughs> thing. Like it sort of shines the Cobra sigil on the ground. Uh, What's that thing? I I can't tell. It's upside down. We can dominate it's, it's, the world as long as we have family. <laughs> it's very good yeah boss or just it's just straight up kitsch but apparently oh, you can toggle the lighting scheme to your liking but i think hey you if see, not, that's where all not... the money goes from it's 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 the electronics that, that make this thing cost a bit more i think electronics and it the kind tracks. of had to have electronics though like no, it's for sure it yeah, did. Agree. that light bar was that, just that a scale. sticker gross yeah, yeah no, that would be scale, super gross that's one thing i'm very happy about Mm, yeah. that has lights, working lights. I, but yeah, this I is think party time with, with Cobra when this thing comes out. I think <laughs> it's an interesting feature because, like, I'm a, I'm like a, when I say I'm a car guy, I really love like tuna cars and exotics and that kind of thing. So it's a tuna car. There is a, is it in there a, is a hey, no, <laughs> you get like a tuna genuine, car again. <laughs> Terrible. Cheap he shots. likes those little okay. cars. We have to get packed so, in like sardines. No, so like you know those cars, they love having like a lot of a lot of guys like to like rice them up and whatever's and put a whole bunch of stuff on them to make them look fancy and faster and whatever's. So like I totally I totally get that. So this kind of lighting feature um, is kind of sort of part of that car culture. And the other day I actually got a ride mm -hmm. from a friend of mine at Kung Fu, and when I opened the door, they drive a Haval. And when it, I opened up the door, I saw it projected Haval on the ground. Yeah. And I was like, my first my first gut reaction inside was like, Cringe. oh, God, I'm going to throw up. This is so lame. Just I thought it was something cool like a Cobra Sigil and I'm on board. But like projecting yeah. the name of the car. Gross. Anyways, uh, to those and of you And also, why are you putting... Havals, yeah. 
Also, why are you putting the Cobra sing uh, sigil on the ground for the driver, for it to make sense to the driver? Shouldn't it be pointed the other way? Like, think about it. It's coming at you. Then, then the projector <laughs> would be flipped. And it would be upside down on the tank. No, it would look weird. So, for yeah. those of us who want to ignore that feature, it looks cool having Cobra sigil. It's like the badge in front of your, your vehicle. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, would I prefer to just be a, a sleek black facade? Yes, I would. But for those of you who like this kind of pimp display, this will really tickle your oyster. Uh, but gents, let's close the chapter on this for now. Tickle your because oyster. we have a guest mm -hmm. and he has got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Yeah. Joe, Did... you sent me a clip show. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, going yeah. to play Did... it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Don't you want to close the chapter on the hiss? On the hiss. Yeah, I love sure. the light up feature. I would love it in my cardboard hiss. <laughs> That would be amazing. And I would buy that light-up module on its own, just as is, because that's cool. Light is cool. Yeah, yeah, you could do amazing stuff with that. The headlights are super cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. So, yeah. sorry. Yeah. And the taillights are actually, I saw them now, they're Cobra Sigils as well. They're not Ooh. just red brake lights. They actually have uh, bum, bum, an etching. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> sorry. <Yeah. laughs> Not to mention the cockpit being absolutely blingy with uh, with glowing red lights and consoles and stuff, which will be etched. Oh, nice. It's 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 a sweet-ass toy, boys. But yeah, let's talk about it another time. Uh, Joe, your slideshow, before I roll it, would you like to just talk us through what we're going to see? So essentially, I've received a lot of compliments uh, for what I've done. And I want to say that, look, uh, it's just... Uh, uh, an evolution of how I started because really I'm no genius. Uh, I just played a lot with Legos and some Tamaya. And then I, uh, you know, I've been tinkering on the Mauler since 1997. And I spent way more time on Legos before. So it's kind of a logical uh, progression. And I had a lot of fun. Uh, I still have having a lot of fun. So the video I made is in a sense is some little visuals to show the work I don't think I've shown this on YouTube, but it's like, you can see the parts. And at some point during COVID, I was locked in my apartment and I went, um, I had to occupy myself. So this is when the Molo Joe factory started and we started to uh, develop solutions, uh, not for me, but for others. And this is the work that I'm really proud of is, it's one thing to make things for yourself, like an RC car or something, but it's another to create a recipe, something that can be replicated easily so you can make multiple. And mm. this is really the, uh, the Molo Joe thing. It's not just the motorized vehicle, it's solutions uh, that we can replicate and share around. And uh, my files are free on Thingiverse. I welcome everybody to, uh, to make their own toys pretty much. And uh, it's such an easy platform. It's easier than Legos and it's easier than uh, all the RC tanks I've had so far. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is that because of the tolerances of the plastic itself? No, just because it's a, it's a friendly platform that is sturdy, that is not hobby grade, but that is, it's its, its own thing. It's part toy grade, it's part hobby grade. Because obviously when you do the real RC tanks uh, in the old days, I was doing them out of metal and kits mm -hmm. and you had new shoes and you used wow. grease and bearings. So in a sense, um, now these days you can buy a, a cheap RC tank that has zero issue, it works, it's just not realistic because everything has been solved. But what I like with what I've done is there was a path 
And the path was more enjoyable than the end result because it's not that my first molar worked just fine. It's I went for iterations and improvement. And what is very exciting is when I read literature, literature, technical literature, I found myself with the same problems that the people who designed the tanks in the 60s. So it's very rewarding to feel that you're walking on the footsteps of people who pioneered some things, similar mechanical solutions. So there's a sense of realism in the scale that makes G.I. Joe even more exciting in a sense, you know? So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm really in heaven with that stuff. So the, the video, you're gonna see it's funny. Um, it's pictures I haven't shown in a long time, but I spend a lot of time with Lego Technics and mud. Mm. Nice. Well, without further ado, let's roll it. Folks who are listening along podcast version, I'm going to obviously cut the sequence that you're about to not hear. But uh, I would encourage you to watch the, the YouTube version if you want to check out Joe's slideshow and then head up promptly over to his channel as well. But anyways, shut up, Steve, and play the clip. questions but i'm gonna turn it over to you guys first joe talk to me baby so in the slideshow i, I thought i could talk through but it's okay um i started <laughs> by putting i bought this tokyo marui i don't know if you guys know tokyo marui they used to they used to pioneer a lot of airsoft uh pistols and rifles mm -hmm. and they made also some rc trains and some uh, rc tanks and what i did is i put the gearbox and the electronics into the mauler and this was a long time ago, I think 2007 or eight. The electronics were so big that I could barely close the molar hole. There was wires everywhere. It was a mess and uh, it didn't work very well. And then slowly, you know, um, the game changer, as you can see, is 3D printing. Uh, mm -hmm. Using a very small hobby printer and CAD, of course, to be able to make iterations and to make parts and that is the game changer that as a kid, I could not do it. So I keep saying we live in wonderful times because when I was a kid, I would uh, hack or modify existing things because I could not fabricate things. Mm. And now it's like, it's just, we're, we're so blessed because you can make the shapes. You know, you look at Facebook, all the people making uh, custom resin sculpts or parts. And um, I make my own gearboxes now for the molar. I make my own suspension, my own wheels. So the only parts of the molar that I don't duplicate is the hull, because everything else I've, I've made it. I've made my own turrets, my own guns, my own wheels, my own tracks, my own gearboxes. I can make my own hatches. So when you think about it, it's like, I could actually make the whole thing out of 3D printer, but it's not, it loses the the toy spirit. I want to stay close with the Joe stuff. So going back on the video is um, I was playing a lot with Legos and then I switched to GI Joes, but I kept, as you saw in the slideshow, I was making vehicles, motorized vehicles for my GI Joes. And this is how my childhood was. Uh, I would find a mud puddle and I would try to cross it by making a vehicle that could go across. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So and, cool, uh, <laughs> uh, there's one anecdote I would like to bring. I don't know if we have time. Is do you guys remember the first time you saw a GI Joe? Ooh, 
Good question. Because I have a short story, if I may. Um, Please. See, I grew up with a European background where I was raised with Legos and Playmobil. And mm. those were from the late 70s to the early 80s. The packaging was very, very, uh, what's the word? I wouldn't say sterile, but very, very plain, simple, very mute, mm. light blue background, no drama, no exaggeration, no fancy angle shots, just very plain shots. So the first time I saw a G.I. Joe, it was in the Netherlands. I was in a small toy store and I felt assaulted. There was a buzzer. <laughs> and a ripper. I, felt I felt threatened. I was scared wow. because they had the black background with flames and paint smudge everywhere. And they looked mean. You couldn't see their eyes. They had muscles. They were cutting things. And it looks like these guys kill soldiers. So I was a young child, very influenceable at the time. You know, there was a very strong sense of what is good and good guys, bad guys. These cards scared the crap out of me. I was so scared. And then the other thing that, that, that irritated me was the rivets. I'm like, is this a joke? They are rivets on the elbows <laughs> and the shoulders and they're exposed. Because, you know, all my European toys were plain plastic. Playmobil is all co-molded and whatnot. And there were joints everywhere, which for me was an, uh, an abomination. It's like, what is this contraption? So I bought Snow Serpent because he was neutral. I didn't know he was a bad guy. I didn't speak Dutch then, so for me, I didn't even read. But he was light gray, he looked neutral. He had slightly sad eyes. He didn't look as mean as the other guys. And G.I. Joe was cheap compared to Legos and Playmobil. So it's like, yeah, I'll give it a mm -hmm. shot. I brought one home and I was blown away. You could pose the thing. You could play with the skis, the weapon, the parachute. And this is how I fell in love. But I never um, relinquished the Lego techniques of making vehicles. And uh, yeah, I got plenty of anecdotes what we did with G.I. Joe's. But um, uh, the shift for making molders was first I was making Lego vehicles like uh, tanks did not work so well because Lego trucks were not that good, but mostly trucks, trucks, trucks. And then um, when I went to college, I started to play with RC tanks, uh, Tamiya the kits. And this was in the old days that the Tamiya kits were not perfect. They were full of flaws. You had to assemble them. And that made me learn about uh, tank stuff like track tension, suspension issues because the Tamaya kit was really riddled with flaws, but it was a good platform to make stuff. So for example, in the video, you see the red tank going in the snow. I was living in Canada and for two years, I built one tank. So one of my large tanks, they were very heavy, lots of metal, hand cut plastic. There was no 3D printing back then. So I would mm -hmm. be very patiently building a tank over a period of two years. And I would put guns in it, like BB guns, cameras, and I would play in Canada at minus 30 degrees Celsius. <laughs> um, I really, really spent a lot of time in harsh conditions with those tanks. So when I started to do the Mueller stuff in a sign, I had um, a decent background of tracked vehicles. So that helped me a lot. Well, I'm curious then, you've piqued my interest with the talk about that snow serpent. Uh, I'm sure there's so much we can talk further about the process of, of motorizing a mauler. But just as a sidetrack, Joe, you sent <laughs> us an email. <laughs> Here all week. Um, you sent us an email describing your uh, perhaps a very specific playtime that then became 
the main playtime, the evolution yes, of your yes, playtime yes. into a kind of a role play using dice, using an ongoing storyline that had a post-apocalyptic world with a, yes. a central continent like, emerging yes. and it being yes. this, this land that needs to be pioneered by various yes. factions, Cobra bringing order, G.I. Joe bringing chaos with multiple yes. factions and corruption. I don't know if there's a way to distill that email into so i'll I, I try to give it a shot so this is a beautiful this is a beautiful time in my childhood because my cousin which was two years older than me joined the military how old were you how old were you i don't recall but uh i think it's irrelevant it's not really the age in numbers but it's the mental state because i um, <laughs> you're in a very advanced kid clearly Jeez. no i, I would expect some of, some of this from a teenager a young teen i i, I played too long with toys and uh but here oh we I all did we still are with, uh, I was always playing with older kids and my cousin joined the army. He went to officer school. So we were playing GI Joe's before he joined the army, during and after. He won't admit it today because he's ashamed of it, but it was <laughs> great because GI Joe became fleshed out with the beautiful 88, you know, all those beautiful figures. Mm -hmm. But the realism, the military realism in there, my cousin could feed it to me. And the issue we had when we were kids is whenever you play, because it's a social thing, right? We play with other kids. One kid would say, oh, my snake eyes kills everybody. Boo, 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 he blocks the bullets. And, and then we would have bickering because Force it's fields. not fair. Yeah. So then my cousin came with the idea of using a dice system. So he played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. So we came with a system that each figure we had, because back then we had maybe like, maybe 18 figures max. That's that's the collection I had. So we made file cards, uh, not file cards. We made cards for each figure with their body and we would track their wounds. So where each bullet was hit and also we would track on the card how many ammo they have. We would look at, for example, Scoop. He's got a pouch there. We know it's a radio pouch, but let's say, okay, he's got a clip there. He's got, uh, he's got 50 rounds in boxes, it's blah, blah, blah. So we kind of assign uh, each figure the ammunition they had the weapons they had and then the dice system implied a little of luck and a little bit of strategy so for example mm -hmm. we would play on the bed on the blankets or outside in the yard and you create a scenario so the easiest was two versus two two cobras versus two uh, joes so a commando situation uh, team is infiltrating roll the dice did they get seen could they access it uh, have they been heard then you manually place the figures exposing only the head or the chest so that kind of sets up the physics of how they can be hit or not so in a sense i could play by myself or with my cousin or with my friends and the dice enabled some kind of rules so you could not just carry the story how you want it and cheat so it became a challenge to for example playing by yourself you set up a scenario a story and then you try to have your squad evolve and it was like a video game because sometimes your squad could not make it to the next level. You would lose your man and die. And then you would track on those cards all the wounds that the guys have. So we lost a lot of genitals, testicles. Uh, when you throw your trachea got hit and then you lose your voice, you could not yell at your troops. It became very involved and then we simplified it. And then we did not like the world the way it was because there was not enough fantasy. We looked at TV with the news, but absolute reality is not that fun. So we said, okay, here's what it all happens. gets too political, doesn't yes. it? Yes. 
But mm. at the same time, politics is good as long as it's fake, like Star Wars, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> Exciting politics. Yeah. So what we did is we said this is there's a giant uh, end of the world and there's a giant continent in the middle of the, 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 of the ocean that raises the rest of the continent slowly sink and everybody reaches for this new frontier that stretches from the center Atlantic all the way to Antarctica and it's the new land and we call it TIP which was a uh, abbreviation for imaginary territory of play something like this. And of okay. course, the idea are the Americans, so they are the forces of democracy because there's you know, United States stickers on all the vehicles. Cobra has actually tried to do some nation buildings, and then you have some various tribes of nations that try to make communities. And the GI Joe want to be the oppressive, like hint, hint, you know, of some kind of globalism. And I'm sorry, I don't want to go into politics, but it was pretty much as kids, we were naive. We just incorporated all the the reality the nasty things but in a fantasy fun way mm. and uh, it was fun and the game the way we used to play it started to become a bit like dungeon and dragon that i became game master so i would tell my friends about it and he liked hit and run and oh yeah i want to be hit and run and then i would make give him a mission and his mission was that he would choose his squad and go through uh, the jungle and here's the part that was great we didn't play in the room anymore uh, we would play at school orally. So we would do, for example, at school, we would have recess. We would go somewhere in a room and we would draw maps and tell stories and look at catalogs and pretty much like Dungeon and Dragon, right? We would make up stories and missions. And then on weekends, my friend would come to my uh, place because I lived at my grandma's house on a large estate where there was lakes and everything. And um, uh, it was great because then we would go on the field and that was, of course, inspired by the, um, the 90s Benelux catalog. So let's go mm -hmm. to that, that crusty story you like, which is how I uh, destroyed the tomahawk and the warfog and snake eyes in very cruel way, but it was a lot of fun. So my tomahawk, which I loved, um, one of the propeller was not spinning well. It was annoying. And then one day, I think I put on the table and the table got bumped and it fell and it broke the rotor, the hub. So I could not fix it. So to me, the, the vehicle was dead. So what I did is I incorporated that in a story where Tomahawk is flying over the lake, carrying some commandos, and he gets shot down by a bug that's in the water. And by the way, we played in the mud a lot. There was a shallow part of the lake where there was the white clay, and we would dig a hole, and it was a hot tub of mud. Uh, the white clay in French is called caoulin. It's used for uh, female pharmaceuticals like um, beauty masks. So it was the kind of mud that could dry in your skin and not stink, while the black mud or the red mud was, you know, you would catch all the flies and whatnot. And that's where I would play with my Lego trucks. We would build forts that would dry out. We'd put the GI Joes there, Action Force, Playmobil, you name it. So going back to the Tomahawk is I included in a mission where it gets shut down and I literally sunk it in a shallow part of the lake. So when the water is still, you could see the sun would go and it's about, let's say it's about um, half a meter deep. And there would be some kind of mud that the tomahawk would slightly sink and the tomahawk color would kind of blend with the bottom of the mud and there would be some vines and whatnot. And it was a beautiful sight to behold a crushed tomahawk there. I put some corpses in there, so some dead figures we had. 
And then I, I, I tasked my friend, Tongi. So Tongi was a French guy, he was, he's a rugby player. And he was playing with hit and run. So he was a captain. No, he was, I thought he was a lieutenant at the time. And he had a squad and he was a good boy, meaning he wanted to follow orders. He wanted to do things right. He wanted to vanquish the bad guys. And as a game master, I was sadistic. I was throwing him the worst thing. His superiors were corrupt. The Cobra forces he was going after did not exist. Uh, and I even intertwined a story I did with another friend who, who was into Star Wars. And we had the weird predator-like mission where uh, my other friend changed his body with a machine in the in the future in space, and he became some kind of predator. And then he went in the jungle, and I had him fight Tongi, my friend, who was hit and run. And he could not explain it because in the Joe world there was no such thing as space and uh, aliens and whatnot. So for me as a game master, it was so much fun to puzzle my friends by having them fight each other without knowing them. Now, it seems like a the... neat way to bring in the person who wants to play the more science fiction elements and the person yes. who wants to play the more realistic elements. Yes. So, just so that was the thing. Is I was trying to scenario. tell to my friends what they were into. So Tongi was, wanted to do the right thing and be the good soldier. So I gave him a scenario that he was stimulated and challenged to do so, but he was in a very corrupt environment, which was designed by my cousin David, who was in the army, was my, my cousin is a horrible person. He's a banker now, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> his figure was a Dodger, and we call him Colonel Renwick, and he was basically a rogue colonel like Apocalypse Now. So he was basically murdering and, and, and doing things and blaming Cobra, and he was on the field doing what he wants uh, for fun. And uh, he kind of created the characters like uh, Blizzard was a mercenary, Muskrat was an evil psychopath. So we basically had a bunch of psychopaths doing things. And me, my figurine was um, Shockwave. And I was Captain Lonzo because of I Of course Stalker. it was. Of course it was. And I, the reason I took Stalker is because I said he has armor, armored um, balaclava. So if he gets hit in the head, he would survive because his hood was thick enough to block bullets. Hey. That was a child fantasy right there. I lost wow, a lot of Jay. genitals in our game. By the way, I think I, I got castrated a dozen times in our game. Oh, it was uh, for real? Cool. Did your figures lose their crotch pieces? Yeah, I mean, no, not, not like this. In a sense that I got hit. <laughs> and with our dice system, I got so many bullets in the uh, crotchal region that <laughs> I was physically murdered. Oh, man. Not shot. That is cruel. Your friends had it in for you. Clearly, they didn't like the way the story was going, Joe. Sorry. So sorry, I digress. So let's go back to the tomahawk. So the tomahawk was sunk in the lake, and I tasked Tongi, I mean Captain Lieutenant uh, Hit and Run, to research what happened. So he did this kind of investigation, and then he could not find the commando. Uh, the commando was Snake Eyes version two, no three, sorry, Snake Eyes 1989, and I think I stripped his crew in his torso, so I could not fix it. So what I did. So this is a plot twist here. Snake Eyes was not in the chopper. He got uh, bribed by uh, Dodger. So he went around to do other things and eliminate some uh, GI Joes that are doing their job too well from the back. And he was in the war fog. And then uh, Dodger decided to get rid of him so that he doesn't talk. So what I did is I took the, the resin glue. You know, those, this kind of, it's like an aluminum tube with this very gooey glue. And that yeah. stuff burns forever. So the war fog had all these clips, the, the door clips were broken, the hatches, ridges were broken. 
So for me as a child, when the toe was broken and I couldn't repair it, it was, it's like uh, on the farm when a horse has a broken heel, you have to finish it. You know, I, I'm sorry to talk like this, but it's kind of the way my uncle and my family was, is that we cannot accept suffering. So if an animal is wounded and we cannot um, heal it, it's time to end its misery. So same applied to the toys in a sense, is like could not fix it, nobody could fix the toys. And it's so sad in contrast to today because today we can fix pretty much everything, right? Mm. So um, I filled the war fog with glue and snake eyes and I light it on fire on the lake. Oof. And it was a Viking beautiful mineral. sight because it burned all the way from the afternoon to the evening. Beautiful sun settled down, the smoke going up, slowly burning, slowly listing, and the heat fused snake eyes like Han Solo. It became a solid <laughs> chunk and you could still see his, 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 his knives and his face. And then the thing sunk. So I placed it somewhere. So my friend Tongi had to- It finally sunk. If that isn't a testimony to how well the Warthog chassis floats, I don't know what is. You said it, it burned all sink. afternoon, still yeah. afloat, amazing. But what's amazing is the fire, because I expected the whole thing to just burn and die, but it uh, it stayed afloat. It was beautiful. It was like those movies, you know? Uh, I think in some countries they put Horrifying. candles in the water. There's something oh, yes. very, um, um, what do you call it, meditating about it, you know? It, mm. it, it was great. And um, so Tongi, uh, Captain Hit and Run, had to uh, investigate what happened. He found the chopper, so he took the boat over the lake. He had to find it. Then he could not find the corpse in it. He found different corpses in it. And then eventually when he found uh, the war fog, and then he, uh, those were the physical clues that we were playing. We were also playing in the room uh, with oral clues and discussions and rolling the dice. So the G.I. Joe figures became like props in our Dungeon and Dragon type kind of game. And at the same time, we were doing our traditional playing on the bed or outside. And uh, it was so much fun. And what I did is every country I moved to, I carried with me the storyline, mm -hmm. in a sense that the Joes had to move because uh, the earth disappeared, a volcano, whatnot. And uh, I would make new friends and I would introduce them to my world and introduce them or create entirely new chapters for them. And what was kind of fun, I was like, I was like playing Larry Hammer pretty much, is that I had, uh, an established universe where I could pick and choose what I wanted. And uh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm curious, Joe, yeah. how long would you say from start to finish this plot line continued? Because you say it spanned multiple continents or countries. Yeah. Obviously, it must have spanned multiple friend groups then. Yeah, so yeah. you were able to entice other people that you just met who were fans of G.I. Joe into this style of playing, which is yeah. mind so blowing, man. I know I would have signed on the same day. So, you know, I, thanks to you guys, I remember this because the sad part is when I moved to the US and went to college, I introduced this to some friends of mine that were open-minded about uh, Dungeons and Dragons and, uh, and other stuff. But the reality is I, got, I, I caught a serious disease and that is I stopped being a playing child and I became a collector because uh, when I moved to the US, <laughs> I would talk about G.I. Joe and I would have a, a roommate telling me, oh, yeah, I've got some. You want them because they're just there. So I would buy entire collection like flags and terror drone for 80 bucks. Uh, 
And my friends would bring me bags, garbage bags full of GI Joes because they, those things had no value and there was no collectors back then. So I was in the early days of collecting and I started to buy all the ones that I gazed on the catalogs but that I never had. So slowly I stopped playing because I amassed a gigantic collection. And this is what I say, I'm a recovered collector because at some point I had so many GI Joes that I was not playing anymore. I was not owning toys. Those toys were owning me and I was becoming OCD and spending more time uh, administrating and sorting and doing administrative work to make sure they got all their weapons and whatnot and comparing how many versions of Storm Shadow I had and blah, blah, blah. So um, that kind of killed the whole play thing. I completely stopped life. You know, you move on with life and other things. And a couple of years ago, I decided to sell all my collection because I, I was not enjoying it. So I sold everything like a detox. And then I felt the withdrawal that, you know, G.I. Joe is part of my life and I just have to find the balance. I could not just entirely remove it from my life. So I came back and it is thanks to you guys that I find, found the, the good balance because you guys play with it. The banter, the playing with it, like Paul says, he carries a storm shadow or the gold one around. So I realized, well, there's a way to to be an adult while still being a kid, while still playing, but you got to find this balance of not having too much stuff mm. because you're not enjoying it as much. And it's very tricky, you know, it's really uh, moderation. And for me, making things RC is a way to survive because I miss the times when I was a child, I could be in a shoe store playing with hit and run, or I could be in the park making sounds and rappelling hit and run down its string. Nobody would look at me funny. But then when you're 38 years old and you're making sounds in a park, people give you the looks. Oh, they do. So, so if you're <laughs> friends with your Yeah, just ignore for... them. Just ignore them, Joe. They'll, no, they'll move on. If you, uh, <laughs> if you have kids or, you'll or your friends, it's, it's okay. But I felt uncomfortable. So for me, making things RC, if people see me, grown-up dude, playing with his RC, whatever, it's... In my mm. mind, it felt more comfortable than me being on my knees playing with a bunch of Joes in the park. Yeah, so it's it's if it's a dog park and they decide your RC Mauler is a chew toy, don't you get apprehensive about that? Like, I'm far more uh, <laughs> wary of our furry friends than uh, of other children and other adults looking at me funny. It sounds like even if even if they get damaged, Joe still has a use for them. He can do something crazy and amazing with them. Burning a tomahawk? <laughs> no, I didn't burn a tomahawk. It's the warthog that got burned. Oh, it's the warthog that got burned. But still, it's yeah. it's absolutely crazy. Uh. So uh, I do a lot of uh, uh, survival of the toys. Is I had the Playmobil ship. I would leave it in the pond to see if it survived. So so uh, I do this till these days. You've probably seen in my video. I take a snow cat. I leave it outside during winter just to see if it survives. Right now, I have a storm shadow in my garden, just sitting outside, and uh, it's slowly killing it. But I'm doing this. You know, you only live once. You're not going to take all these things with you to the grave. There's plenty out there. But it is, it's almost like garden gnomes. I kind of like having <laughs> the around and I have them... I am a garden gnome. <laughs> have them survive the elements. 
So here's another anecdote I want to share with you. Playing with my cousin David is uh, I got Dr. Mindbender and we hated him. He looked ugly. We were <laughs> mean kids. You know, kids are kids are mean. So we picked on him. So we removed his cape. Uh, Cobra Commander in armor stole his cape. And Dr. Mindbender was a goofball. And my cousin tried to uh, shoot him with a, a rocket, like uh, those fireworks. <laughs> so it did not work because obviously it, it, uh, it gave a weight bias. So the, the rocket tumbled on the ground and we gave him an armor made of uh, cellophane tape so he would not burn. So I constructed an armor, space armor made of cellophane tape. And then we tried to shoot him. We tried to strap fireworks to him. And we were so disappointed because we could not kill him. We, we, we expected him to burn, to be shot in space or whatnot, didn't happen. Uh, the other thing that David and I would do is, uh, he lived on a tower on the 34th floor in France. We would steal from his mom. His mom was a seam seamstress. We would steal a spool of string and then we would drop uh, a figure to see until we run out of string. And we would be so scared that imagine if the neighbor was like five floor below, opens the window and just steals the figure. Oh, is that infinitely worse than it hitting the, the pavement and shattering? That as well, <laughs> yes. Um, All right. We also did that in lakes, dropping a figure with a string and then the string gets caught and then we had to make prayers because we lost the figure forever in the depth oh, of the lake. Um, so that's the thing is there's so many anecdotes, the things we did with those figures. It was so much fun. Um, the storyline, the mixing of Legos. Uh, oh, gosh. I don't know. What, what other story you want me to go on? Uh, oh, Joe, uh, we could go on forever. It certainly made me nostalgic about the way we used to play. And I hope that mm. it's had the same effect on the listeners. I know there was a comment some ways back from the Bergforce where Hans Chow said that he misses his friends. Uh, absolutely. Playtimes mm. with G.I. Joe, with your pals, that's probably my happiest place and that's why this podcast is such a constant for me like i can never leave it now because this has effectively become my way of of playing with you guys um sharing these stories and reminiscing mm. about the past and occasionally when we get into a top five list or something and we debate the merits of a vehicle or play set or figure yeah that is that is that is a adult play i'm so very touched to know that you you would continue your games even when the figures weren't in hand you said that you went into classrooms and you'd make maps and discuss would you kind of uh role play the scenarios even when you didn't have the toys in hand yep yep we would draw okay, them we brilliant. would uh, uh it was good i want to thank you guys for one thing is you know um Oh, please, please thank looking us. At, we thank you, line, Joe. You have gifted G.I. Joe three maulers. You've opened each of our mauler accounts, essentially, which looking is amazing. Looking at the toy line figures and vehicles, there's so many vehicles in line that I uh, passed down that I disdained or hated. And listening to you guys banter on it, like the hard sell, for example, it hmm. kind of gave me, since now I'm a little older, I'm less childish, so I, I'm not as hard opinionated as I used to be. And it's kind of great because I retrieve with you guys the banter about, hey, you know, this, this, you know, this figure is cool. He's got lasers. No, it doesn't. See, yeah, see, he's got this. <laughs> so this kind of child uh, fantasy uh, rationality there. And that's something that I'm a little disappointed when I see the people I played with or around. The people are way too serious. And it's like, mm. you know, there's enough serious stuff in life that 
the hobby, the passion, it's kind of nice that it's lighthearted and we can uh, banter and joust around. And, and also reconsidering, thanks to you guys, it's almost like it's 1989 all over again or 1992 all over again. Like, hey, look, I never gave a shit or rat's ass about bazooka, fishing bazooka, and let's give it a chance. And then it's, 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 it <laughs> And now you have a segment. fishing mauler, a US yes. Navy, and everyone has fishing rods. Joe, beautiful stuff. I'll try and find a picture and, and throw it into the, uh, <laughs> the YouTube presentation. But yeah, man. yeah. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely whimsy too. As I say, we could chat all day, but I think I'm going to move the agenda on slightly to another favorite segment of mine. It's time for Rob's Loving Scoopful, where he picks out his favorite <laughs> YouTube comment and who tickled you this week, Robbie? Well, well, before, well, before <laughs> I dive into that, um, I, I, I want to do a shout out to, I believe it's Michael. So it's MP pro. Um, M not oh, M not. Yeah, that's it. He, he took up my challenge. He was like, I love the Patriot Rob's wrong. And he did a fantastic little tongue-in-cheek video um, where he did a little, um, by no means at all, an amateur review at all. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, I, but I, I feel from the tone of the video that he definitely does agree with me that the Patriot is rubbish. <laughs> so I think you, you, you haven't convinced me that it's any better than it was before, but awesome video. Um, uh, make more. Well, it's that it, delightful it, Australian sense of humor, me. man. Oh, for sure. I was like, oh, they, they know how Australian. to polish a turd. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, going on, 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 onwards to the last episode, 255, Stephen and I um, went on for quite a while about the Star Wars. Um, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. <clears throat> um, and once again, everyone absolutely loves the intro. Um, nothing to do with Star Wars, but they absolutely enjoy seeing that intro and the outro now as well. Um, mm. But I think, where was it? Uh, damn it, there's too many people just saying intro was amazing. They absolutely love the intro. <laughs> Clearly, the, the, no one's really listening to the podcast. It's like, oh, let's just watch him cool play with his toys. Oh, he's not let's playing go. with his toys. Okay, <laughs> click. <laughs> but thanks anyone uh, who, who commented anyways. It's, regardless of whether you watch the show or not, hey, the analytics are helped by the comments. So I, I thank you very much. Hell In fact, yeah. anyone, anyone who's a fan of G.I. Joe, just, just like all our stuff. You don't just have to do watch it. it. It's just... so much fun. No, it's I'm a kidding. good time. I'm not pandering. <laughs> I don't care about the numbers. But but the, the one person who did address what we were talking about is Action Robot Punch. Oh. And, and what he said is this. He, it's, he said, it really comes down to the quality of all the people making the thing, doesn't it? G.I. Joe does happen to have an amazing crew in the 80s who are passionate about what they were making. War veterans, model builders, artists, managers with vision. With Star Wars, while Lucas brought it together, it was the team of people who each touched a part of the film. The actors, directors, Empire, etc., model makers, costume designers, and musicians. At this point, like you say, Disney's trying to make too much content, so they have to go to the B or the C team. Also, the A team players might be off making their own things or just different things. It's great listening to you guys, especially Stephen with his experience in media and how you catch all the obvious sort of laziness or just get it done type things. I'm sure mm. there was a lot of we have to make X episodes, save for the final, save that for the finale, or we don't have time for that, or worse yet, that's good enough, it's just one sequence. It might be more critical as we get older, but I see it in the lack of interest I see in my friends and family, anecdotal for sure. 
Anyway, great podcast. It's nice just listening to two friends intelligently discuss movies and toys. And yeah, yeah I think Teddy. that's that's one of the the main points we did kind of bring across. I think is that it is the yeah for sure the quality of the people producing the the content that that you're enjoying the entertainment. Um, Star Wars seventy seven was just the perfect storm, wasn't it? Of visual effects I, artists. It, it really editors. just can't get better than that. Really, in the end, I mean, Empire Freaking kind of John like, Williams. Yeah, John Williams. Um, uh, yeah. It's just it's insane. And yeah, I think definitely when you when you don't treat it as something that you absolutely love to do, and it is a job, you aren't always going to get the best. You're going to get some good things. There were some good mm. things to me, at least in Obi Wan and a lot of the new Star Wars stuff. But it's not the same. Mm. I think. Um, and yes, uh, I think people can say this. Or I've, I've probably said it before. George Lucas might have had too much control over the, the prequels. And he was surrounded by way too many yes men who all absolutely agreed that a political drama in space was a really good way to go. <laughs> <laughs> but the yeah. script is great. <laughs> it's a great script, uh, George. Guys, because, because I sadly couldn't be on that episode, there were like three things I just wanted to share about this quickly. Okay. And they're not your, like paragraphs or anything. Give us your script. I, f I do feel like Obi-Wan makes up for a lot of the sins of the prequel trilogy, especially for me, because I ended up, well, I've got the prequel trilogy queued up to watch again. Uh, I'm kind of excited to watch that again, and it's thanks to the Obi-Wan TV series. Second thing I wanted to say is, uh, and I'm sorry if it's a spoiler, but I'm sure most people listening to this have watched it. The final battle made it so worth it for me i really i got goosebumps watching that and i thoroughly enjoyed it and i thoroughly enjoyed the the big kind of lightsaber duel before that happened as well in the previous episode uh that's with reva um and also just something like i know this is a controversial topic although i don't like reva's character i think she's a good character because we don't like her we don't feel right about her the whole time the fan base definitely echoed that sentiment people were very full of hate and vitriol uh, towards Reva for whatever reasons that they had ranging from they think she's this kind of character she's you know some people were like it's a social justice character blah 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 but at the end of the day that whole character was uncomfortable throughout the whole show and it made sense to me that that she was because it, it, I felt that it paid off at the end I thoroughly enjoyed Obi-Wan uh, and I know I say this a lot I'm sure it could have been better had, uh, you know, maybe the A-team been included. But I got to say, if Star Wars 7, 8, and 9 are meant to be the A-team of Star Wars, then I'm quite happy to have the B and C team. Just saying. Because <laughs> I watched those films again recently, and oh my god, I'm sorry. I enjoyed some, I enjoyed some of them when I watched them. Uh, it's there. It's in the podcast. My excitement was there definitely when I came out. But yeah, second second watch or through my rewatch, I was like, no, I actually had to stop um, eight. Um, I can't even remember. Like, I just had to stop it. I was like, I, this is actually irritating me, you know. But then I was like, yeah, cool. I'm gonna champion and I'm gonna push myself through the whole thing to watch. And I was like, eh. So anyway, those are just my little reflections because I thoroughly enjoyed Obi Wan and and the message I tried to send the guys on the group was like, I'm gonna explode all over this thing, and it came out as a bunch of gobbledygook. He <laughs> was so anyway. excited. He made no sense whatsoever. I made no sense whatsoever. Anyway, <laughs> gentlemen, do we have anything cool or new in our collections that you want to share? Not this week, unfortunately. I'm well, you're wrong there, Robbie. Amazing. Wait, wait. What do you mean? I'm wrong. I uh, well, 
Should I look things. under my bed? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I'm there. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> so I have, um, a, I have a short one. Uh, I acquired mm. a figure called uh, Effects. Oh, yes. Cool. Yes. Star Brigade. And I want to discuss this because I always wanted that figure. He's got such a very vivid head sculpt. Mm. But I did not realize he's supposed to be a, a space person because he's got jeans with belt, with pockets and zipper. So I was trying, I was trying to find out who designed it because the mask he has is also bulky. He looks like mask from Kenner, like uh, mm. you know the, the mask M A S K. You know. So I thought, well, maybe it's a Kenner employee that was working there, and he carried on because it looks like he's a guy that works for Venom, like Miles Mayhem, Lester Sludge and all the mask character. He looks like one of those villains. And I just learned today that he was designed by Ron Rudet. And if you look at oh. the card art, he looks like a space. The card art looks like a space trooper, but the sculpt looks like a civilian guy with a jacket going around. And then I was looking at it again and please do the same to see if, if I'm right or wrong. I feel that the O-ring buck figure has limitations. You cannot sculpt what the artist drew. There are limitations. Mm. And this is why they went with the space, you know, those very bulky space uh, bodies. Mm. And I think now that you're in 2022, I used to hate all this space stuff. Now, actually, I'm starting to appreciate it. I think mm. there is room for a G.I. Joe figure of a different construction with a slightly bulkier build to make space troopers. Um, they tried, but I think we need something like Starship Troopers kind of thing. Mm, That's part of G.I. Joe, but the execution, really cool. it needs to be a, a, a better Mega Marines. Sorry? Sorry? <laughs> no, like Mega the Mega Marines. Marines. Yeah. No, they're, no, but like bulkier. Like they actually yeah, look the, the like space Marine. soldiers. Oh, you mean Space Marines like Warhammer, that kind of Space Marine? Like a 40K yes, but space imagine marine. if we take oh. the Mega Marines and you, you give him proper swivel joint and you make slightly less bulky, but let's say half of that, so that the figure is bulkier than a regular O-ring figure, but is still mm. more articulated than the Mega Marines and a better sculpt. So I think mm. there's a room there. When I look at the card art, I'm like, yes, I can see it. But the sculptor struggled to sculpt it on the regular figure. Yeah, mm. no, that makes sense. I think you could actually do something really cool with that. They make an interesting like sci-fi range of figures. Because also the, love that helmet in the original in the original Starship Troopers, I mean the in the book itself is way more bulky. Like those yeah. are like yep. proper exoskeletons that they have on. Yep. And were very inspirational. Well, were uh, inspired a lot of uh, Japanese or should I say anime maker actually. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Robert Heinlein's uh, powered suits. And in terms yeah. of new shit, just a little bit closer to home. Rob, I know you said you're not army building scoops, but I got another one for you, baby. <laughs> Sorry, man. I saw one going for a decent price that had a helmet mic that wasn't stressed because the one that ah. I currently have has a bit of a stress mark on it and it bugs my OCD. I want the three of us represented as as flawlessly as possible in uh, my collection. Okay, okay. So, so I, I got a second one. Yeah, well, so I mean, he has a helmet and a mic. So he, he can be your to play with version of Scoop if you want it, if you so Fantastic. desire. I will, if you want I will to finally retire that black piece of wire that I gave your I can't Scoop do it. many, many moons it's ago. He has to stay with it, but I will and interchange the helmet. Since Joe is on the show, 
I'm going to do a little bit of a Sophie's choice to, to end the episode. He well, can I still show what I got, though? Maulers. Well, you can tell you got him. A this. You got no. a mauler, Paul, but we need to determine who, which one of you two wants the stock standard mauler with an optimized Ooh. engine. I mean, this thing, the, the original electric engine, I don't know what you've done to it, Joe, but it runs better than any mauler I've ever known. Yes, I shimmed the gears. So essentially, I took it apart. And uh, uh, this is a little mechanical. So those we know is uh, just ensure that the gears have the proper spacing, don't rub their faces. So I optimized it. So it's really smooth, right? And uh... it's amazing. It is the, the mauler that is featured in the, uh, the intros and outros to these podcasts. Because it is just, it's indomitable. That thing just cannot stop it is it's it's going i chase yeah, after so it at one point if we do molar <laughs> leasing this is not a stock molar it's a super stock <laughs> <laughs> very good <laughs> then the other molar that's up for grabs is the conventional battery operated one it doesn't require a lipo battery it can be done with you know just like some duracell or, or energizers and it has a nice smooth ride it has the rubber tracks the original rubber tracks but it has the sprung suspension your custom springing suspension um so i'm trying to determine like who gets what and it's breaking my brain do you have an my idea of, of who well, i think my Rob, collection you want to put is, in a bit? Is, there's more vintage stuff in my collection so mine should be you know more properly vintage and steven and paul is more like a like a hot rod top type of guy so maybe he should get the the, the souped up one <laughs> are you <laughs> happy with that paul I am, I, although I'm not going to lie, I love the idea of a remote control uh, RC, like one that I can move around That's and Stevens. stuff. But, but the super stock, yeah, I got to say, I'm loving that. I think that. <laughs> no, no, hang fair. on, Paul. I think you you misunderstand. Rob likes the 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 classic unaltered yes, stock smaller. No, he does understand that. Which means that you get the RC one. Oh, By, okay. Well, that's the awesome. way I understand this. Yeah, yeah. So so Steve, just, well, Sure. Um, have you tried the free rolling sprockets? Because this is one thing you haven't put in the equation is there is the potential to make the molar with suspension and individual tracks, but free rolling, no motorization. And it is very, very satisfying. Hmm. Well, that's for me, baby, because I like to push my molar around the ground. <laughs> my my <laughs> molar at home has no motor in it. I took the motor out because I wanted to be able to push it around. But I realized the stock standard molar, even without the engine, doesn't roll very well. It's, so it needs your free rolling upgrade. You need, you need individual traps because the, the rubber tracks have tension, so it, it doesn't mm. roll well. But if you yeah. have the individual things, it, it's so smooth. It's so satisfying to hear the, the tracks click, click, click on the, on, on the thing. Well, oh. I plan on making that upgrade in October when I'm back in South Africa. Woohoo! Yay! Hell yeah. If there's enough space in my luggage, which I don't know if there will be, but <laughs> you guys will be. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully you're taking this home. The good. And you're, mm. you know, you're, you're taking back to Australia. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> ba baby clobber. <laughs> takes up a lot of space boys anyways <laughs> thanks as always to the patron squad uh you guys rock thank you very much uh for your contribution you the lights on when the electricity company doesn't decide to turn them off exactly yikes you uh, <laughs> and, get uh, early access to the podcast you can join us live in the studio audience if uh, if you're indeed at at a loose end 
Um, there are also some other bonuses and, and little gadgets on the, the Patreon. Uh, we also have YouTube membership open now as well. I'm currently doing a vlog for members, which is just me playing with my toys five minutes each week. If that's a bonus that entices you, well, for as little as $3 a month, you can join the YouTube membership program. And that's enough sales pitch. Gross. I always feel dirty talking about that. I, mean, I know. I know. Money, that's cool. But it, you don't have to give us money because we like doing this because we like doing this, right? It's free. Hmm. Yeah, but it is cool like that it does help us get like things like toys or whatever that we can talk about on the show and at least, you know, have an yes. opinion of. And also, um, Let me not of ungrateful. Stuff. I love, I love, love, love the fact that people feel hmm. like they want to support us with their wallets. That is amazing. But Plus, for, we have uh, the whole Paul, Discord. You, yeah. Sorry. I wanted some new shit talk, man. I jumped on yeah. No, no, it's all good, man. And I was just going to say, like, just quickly with the Patreon, we also have a Discord, which is very active. Well, when I say very active, it's it's got a nice like vibe and it's cool. You know, you've got a lot of like-minded like Bergforce members chatting about stuff, and that's also one of the bonuses to to the Patreon. You know, you get access to that that Discord. Now, there's something cool, uh, Robbie. Yes. I'm waiting yes. for it. It's coming into the country. Um, when it we have does, cool merch. It's, we do have cool merch. Um, but this thing is going to find its way to you, hopefully within the next two weeks. So I'm very excited about that because then you're going to have something fun to talk about on new shit. Um, and you and I are both getting the same thing. So we're going to both be able to speak about this one thing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, which is so cool because, like, you know, we both have, we would have both played with it. it. We can, yeah. And then the one thing, the thing that I got, and this is super, super exciting for me, uh, for those of you guys that are fans of the Renegades, uh, I finally have a version 2, that Renegades, yep, I have a version 2 Mercer, which is a toy I absolutely adored as a kid, and it just disappeared throughout the midst, midst of time, or the mists of time, should I say, and I finally got my own one back, and it makes me very, very happy, because it's not only a cool design with a great head sculpt and all of the fun stuff that we've said about it before in past episodes, but it's just such a fun toy to play with. I absolutely love this this is the one, the one, well, one of the very few occasions where I really love a plastic missile firing launcher because I think they do it so well on on Rick. Um, it looks so good. It's a fun accessory to play with. It doesn't get in the way. He's got cool guns. They're very unique to him. And look at him. He's on the screen. He's just amazing for those of you that are watching the YouTube version. Uh, so yeah, I finally have Rick in my collection. So now he can. One Mercer has got to be one of my favorite head sculpts of the line mm. it's a lot of character in that it's time but to give you big bad cobra some air conditioning sorry yeah <laughs> nine millimeter bullet holes uh the renegades the complete saga is our final contribution to the iconicon 2022 uh, convention online convention Hell yeah. and it will have already premiered by the time this podcast goes out but you can catch it on the replay we are representing parts one through four, and we are premiering part five to cap it off in one continuous, I suppose, short film feature presentation. This is the first time we're doing this at G.I. Joe And in many respects, The Renegades is meant to be viewed like this. It is Mercer's story from start to finish, and to see his journey through his defection from Cobra, his reception into the GI Joes and his first mission with the Renegades to see that progression. It's, it's quite thrilling for me 
um, and mm. hopefully for, for you, Paul, and for Zazel as well, oh, so you know, we developed you. the script together. We, we, we collaborated in numerous capacities. Certainly, I enjoyed having minds to banter with about various concepts. Um, and just breathing life into these characters has been so much fun. It's been the work of over a year now. <laughs> so to see it all come together is a thrill. And I'm really, really looking forward to staying up till one no, to, till 2 a.m. this morning um, to watch it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Because that's the well. time it'll be premiering uh, here down under. But hopefully it'll time quite sweetly for folks, particularly in, in the States, where it'll be, I guess it'll be your Sunday morning cartoon. Mm. Yeah. And mm, I forget right. it should be at about 5 p.m. or just before 5. Yay. Mm. Hell yeah. So I get to watch check it, it out on the replay. Give us a give us a comment, throw us a like, do the things. But the uh, things. I think I'm spent, boys. Oh, oh yeah. uh, Cobra Conversion Six is on, so that's awesome. Check out Cobra Hooded Cobra Commander's website for the full schedule, or hopefully your social media is keeping up to date. But yes, it does mean that for the month of July, there is new GI Joe content every single day. So that's check wild. out. I'll put the link in the description below to Hooded Cobra Commander's website. That's where you'll get the, the full rundown of the events. But yeah, man, it's it's ongoing. So there is no shortage of new content out there to, to watch. Ours is going to be coming together very nicely. We're on the 23rd, which is, I think, the final weekend. No, not, not the final. The second to final weekend second of final July. weekend. And uh, we'll probably, probably make it a Saturday morning cartoon as well. Uh, hint, hint. Into. Yes, it'll be play motion. <laughs> Very exciting stuff. And it's going to be unbelievably nuts because I'm shooting mine tomorrow. Like Celia and I have planned uh, where we're going to shoot this thing tomorrow. Awesome. And oh my word, dude, like I was running ideas with her and yeah, I, I'm very excited. I'm not saying anything. I don't want to. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Eesh. She's a Eesh. keeper, dude. Cool. Oh, she's great. Yeah, we uh, I even like with your girlfriend. I mean, that's, that's foreplay if I have all your action figures. <laughs> and then can I just take like two seconds here just to say, Joe Moller, you are such an awesome human being. Thank you so much for, for the insights and everything that you shared about not only your childhood, but also, you know, the design of toys and all that on the show. I really had a lot of uh, fun with you here. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing your perspective. It was also cool that there are some things you touched on that are things that I often think of in the back of my head that I don't always come out of my mouth in the show as, as clearly as I'd like them to. So I was so glad to hear them come out of your mouth. It was awesome. And can I just say thank you as well for the carded Storm Shadow that I have, the two carded Storm Shadows that I have and this awesome Ninja Force Zartan. Thank you so much. They came to me by way of you and they have definitely added um, and brought some serious joy to my life. I've been playing with that Zartan figure nonstop since I got it. So just want to throw that out there. So thank you, Joe. You're welcome. Thanks to you too. I appreciate Storm Shadows better. <laughs> so thanks to you guys, definitely. Hmm. Very generous stuff. Thank you, Joe. And you're a very welcome guest on GI Joe like anytime, man. It's been riveting hearing about your expertise and your playtimes. So. Hmm. You are uh, definitely on the inner circle. Uh, we'll check you next week, G.I. Joeberg faithful. Um, hope you enjoy all the new content coming your way. But uh, if you like just listening to the show, well, we'll be here. Don't you worry.
always. <laughs> Yo, Jojo Berg. Berg, Berg. Don't you forget about me by simple minds. There we go. I was hoping you would jump in, man, with the voice. With the actual ability to make it recognizable to other people. Goodness gracious me. Well, Shockwave was a quiet boy. Let's not lose sight of that fact. But let's get the hell out of here before we do everyone's head in. Goodbye.